Welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash Alumni. Cash Alumni is the fastest growing association of professionals in care, health, and education, and we're happy to have you here. This is where you'll hear from specialists and experts from across our network. Here's what's coming up. definitely isn't something that can be done you know in two weeks after SATs it's not designed to be done in that way it's designed to be a long-term teaching process but it's also specifically designed to give children the confidence and skills they need to have in order to move forward to secondary school and I'm not sure that teaching to the SATs does that. Let's jump in to this week's episode. My name's Alex Robertson. I'm the Head of Engagement at the Centre for Education and Youth. We are a think and action tank and we work with all different kinds of organisations that support young people with the overarching goal of ensuring that all young people have a fulfilling transition to adulthood. I am a former teacher. I started out as an English teacher and then I went on to work as an education journalist for a while and I've been with CFEY for about four or five years now. Um, My name's Sarah Selesnyov. I work for an organisation called Big Education. I'm a head teacher for one of the schools in the organisation called School 360. And I also am the strategic lead for learning and development for Big Education Trust. We're a multi-academy trust of three schools, but we also work with 350 schools across the UK, seeking to change the education system to move towards more of a head, heart, hand approach in equal balance. So reducing the overemphasis on tests and moving towards a, a model where head academics is valued as much as heart, which is relationships and well-being, and hand, which is skills building and creativity. That's an awful lot in both of those introductions that I'd love to pick up on. But could you tell us a little bit about the project itself first and what joint aims are? So the Primary Extended Project Award is a collaboration between Big Education and CFEY. Going back to what I said about there being an overemphasis on tests, we think that's particularly the case for year five, six children who are going to be sitting their SATs at the end of primary school. And we wanted to give pupils the opportunity to take part in an assessment which is much more holistic. So this is a project that enables pupils to take something they're really interested in to study it, to work alongside experts who might have knowledge in that particular area or field, and to learn research and presentation skills as they go along, and to develop some particular competencies that sit beyond the subjects of the national curriculum, and to then present their findings to an audience of peers, teachers in the school, their parents, and the experts that have supported them in those projects, and produce a wonderful kind of final output for their journey through primary school, which is more than just a number on a piece of paper, which is what the SATS test is. As Sarah said, it's a really important piece of work for us because it aims to address these kind of fundamental problems with the current primary assessment system. We're not looking to replace things that are already taking place within primary assessment, but it's really about providing those new opportunities for young people to express themselves, to pursue their interests and to develop those skills for lifelong learning. And it's something that all children of all backgrounds, all abilities can really use as a way to to fully represent their strengths and have that recognised both by the school and by the wider community as well. We know that qualifications like this do exist for older children. So 
people who have um, children who've gone through the sixth form, their their children may have done what's called the extended project qualification, which is a very similar kind of assessment at a higher level. We think there's a gap lower down in schools for children to be doing projects that have more breadth and are relevant to the things they're really interested in. And so this is an opportunity to create something like that for younger children that could possibly be replicated in key stage three, you know, as the um, extended project qualification works for key stage four. Yeah. I'm a big fan of project-based learning. I think um, like taking my niece to circus school and interacting with kids who are homeschooled and thinking about all the different ways that they learn things in, in the way that their education is set up. And again, working with farms and chickens and doing some stuff with sort of education that way and thinking about all of the different ways that like farm therapy ties into to different educational settings and stuff like that. I think it's really great to think about children being able to get those skills early on and think about education, not as just being academic education, but as a more learning how to learn and how to apply those skills in, in their everyday. And I can imagine that picking something to be interested in or to do a piece of project-based learning on would have been quite difficult for me because I didn't have any particular interests. I was just nosy about everything. And um, What support is there for children to, to identify what their interests are to be able to, to pick a project? This is more than just a project. It's a structured teaching sequence that starts in year five where they begin to prepare for things like how do I choose a project and make the right choice of a project Um, And it's not necessarily the case that every child would pick their own individual area to follow. It may be the case that they work in collaborative groups and pick a theme that they're all interested in that they want to pursue. But they would all end up with a final PEPA project of their own. The output that they produce will be evidencing their own learning and their own enjoyment of that learning as they leave year six. So I think there are lots of possibilities. I think It's very interesting that you say you wouldn't have known how to choose um, because what we would say is that's something that was lacking in your primary education because you should get to a point in life or or in your education or, you know, even age 11 where you know how to find out what you're interested in and what lines of inquiry you want to pursue. And I think that's one of the problems with the national curriculum at the moment that it doesn't teach those broader learning skills that you need to be a a successful learner moving forward into your future and and into your life. So learning how to choose and learning how to follow lines of inquiry that are interesting to you is a really important thing to do and something, therefore, that you need to learn. And I think one of the things that's important for it in terms of, of schools taking this on is that there is that flexibility built in in terms of how they would guide something like choosing a project topic. It might be the case that there has been a particular theme that within the curriculum that young people are very excited about. Teachers have the opportunity to kind of signpost towards things that young people have expressed an interest in their wider learning and might want to take further, or they can kind of be led by the pupils' own sort of uh, personal interests and drives. I think one of the things that we don't want to see, and we'll talk a little bit more about how we came to design the Pepper in the, in the first place, but we've worked with a wide range of, of primary school teachers. And one of the things that comes up is, oh my goodness, are we going to all, um, you know, we're going to have 30 different projects about Minecraft or, um, you know, the latest kind of trend. The structure is set up to give flexibility to respond to your cohort of young people, what you know about them and what will work for them, but also 
to provide that sort of guidance and as Sarah says the skills that will help to choose a project that they'll really get something out of um, and that will be really kind of interesting and engaging and valuable for them. On the flip side of that of course what we don't want is this term we're doing a unit on Victorians can everyone do their pepper project about an aspect of the Victorians you know we, we want there to be choice and freedom and children following their own lines of inquiry but we recognize they need support and structure to be able to do that. I think that answers the next part of my question because my brain there immediately jumped to I think when like the, you talk about children knowing their interests or anybody understanding their interests sometimes it is only within your own experience that you know what you're interested in. I would never in a million years have thought that I would be interested in becoming a farmer when I was at school, didn't take sciences because why? when would I ever use science? I don't want to work in a lab. So I love the idea of children being able to explore what their interests might be and that support being there to, I suppose, also broaden their horizons at the same time as identifying their interests. How does that work in practice? Well, I, I think it's important to look beyond the subjects on the national curriculum. This can be a project about something you're interested in at home. You know, do you have lots of pets at home? Do you want to do some research about something related to that? Are you really into cooking? Do you want to research something around cooking around the world? Or, you know, there's so many possibilities for this project. And it's really about opening children's eyes to all the different possibilities. And I think that's where the role of the expert is really important in this, because we, you know, one of the elements of the project is to ask schools to look outside to external partners, maybe parents, maybe members of the community, maybe local businesses, maybe other charities or social enterprises that might be able to support schools with this so that there's a real range of expertise. If someone wants to write their project about cooking, can they connect with a professional cook and get advice on on how to um, shape their project and what they might consider when they're doing their research? So there are lots and lots and lots of possibilities for the pepper that can really help children's imaginative and creative skills as well as the sort of more the skills like research skills and presentation skills which are more closely linked to the things they need to achieve as part of the national curriculum and actually as part of our sort of scoping work when we were designing the pepper um we did invite the um teachers and school leaders from the range of different primary schools that we worked with to design the award to go out to their pupils and ask them some questions around the idea of the pepper, what they thought about it, whether they were interested in it. And the response from young people that they brought back was incredibly positive. And the range of potential projects, topics that they came out with was really fascinating. So we had everything from music to coding, space and technology, engineering, baking, art, identity, which I thought was great. Somebody wanted to just explore identity as a project topic. That was really promising for us. There was a lot of enthusiasm there, both um, in terms of the idea of taking part in, in the award overall, but also in what they would like to pursue and how they would like to share it. As we start moving forward with it, there will be opportunities also for for schools to learn from each other you know and we will have some some brilliant examples of completed peppers that we can share with other schools getting involved and hopefully they will help to kind of fire the imagination and see how this can work in practice yeah this sounds really exciting i think when i've talked about project based learning with practitioners before and some of our members have explained how they've maybe taught maths using projects on pirate ships and like learners have gotten involved in going out and like mapping out the area of a pirate ship and thinking about how that might be built and angles of sails and all of those sorts of things 
but the outcome has still very much been about maths or about whatever subject they're learning about in that piece of project-based learning. And this sounds very broad in terms of the skills and the, the stuff that would be recognised through the PEPA. Is that how it's designed? Absolutely. We, we know that children have a very limited understanding of the career possibilities that are available to them. I guess this is one way to open children's eyes to the possibilities for career and life pathways. And they are so much richer and more diverse than the subjects of the national curriculum or the topics that we might cover um, in the primary curriculum. So it's really important for children to be thinking beyond that. Um, you know, that's something that's the heart of the mission of our, of our organisations, to teach children much more than is in the national curriculum, because that's what they need in order to be successful in their lives. As you suggested, we're not looking to kind of assess those core skills in the same way that, that a lot of other kind of testing at this um, age range does we have identified particular skills and dispositions that we will look at and that teachers will look at with their young people so um, both research and presentation skills as Sarah's mentioned imagination inquisitiveness and persistence and teachers will be looking at the development of those over time so it won't be the case of kind of at the end of your project, you that's the one time we look at how you've achieved in this particular thing. Young people's kind of performance in these different areas will be measured both by themselves, but also their peers and teachers and mentors that they're working with over time. So that they have a sense of how these skills have kind of developed throughout the project. And you might find as you go that, you know, uh, they start off feeling quite confident in one area and then there's a little setback and they find it a bit harder and then suddenly they they have a breakthrough and kind of make a lot of progress in a, in a particular area and hopefully that will also be really helpful in terms of them understanding that that's what lifelong learning is like you know it's not a linear process and it's not something that has a kind of final end point that is uh, marked by a number or a grade it's something that you're building on constantly throughout and that's how the the pepper aims to kind of show them their, their skill development and um, give them the opportunity to really think about what that means for them and, and for their future as well. This could all sound very woolly and kind of, you know, not pinned down. It, it, it has a very rigorous underpinning. So when we say we're going to measure inquisitiveness and imagination, we have a rubric, for example, that's developed by uh, Professor Bill Lucas for the Rethinking Assessment Campaign, which sets out a series of progressive skills development within those areas so that children can use that benchmarking tool to benchmark themselves, to assess each other and give each other feedback. Um, and teachers can also use that to plan the teaching that goes into the pepper. So it, it, it's, it's, it's looking beyond the curriculum, but it has the same level of rigor as the national curriculum does in terms of progression teaching and assessment. It definitely took me a long time to be okay with being not very good at things and enjoy them even though I wasn't very good at them. And I know that's true of a lot of little learners that maybe you'll opt out of things. That support sounds like a great way to set young people up for for life in general and overcome some of those barriers before they even exist. Do you find that that's still a thing for young people and children that people are scared of not being good at things. Yes, they are. And we, we, the teachers that were involved in the, in the early stages of this project were very, very committed to the idea that everybody should be able to complete the PEPA uh, assessment. 
regardless of any learning difficulties they might have or any struggles they might have with particular areas of learning. So a lot of thought has gone into making it an accessible piece of work that any child could take part in. So thinking about if a child is struggling with writing, does it all need to be done in a written format? Could it be done through audio or video clips, for example? Are there other creative ways for children to present their findings that struggle with the academic skills? So I think through a combination of it being about the child's passion, it being accessible tool, it looking at research and presentation skills which sit within the national curriculum, but also those competencies that sit beyond that, there are all kinds of ways in which different kinds of pupils can experience the success through doing a PEPA project. And I think that's that was really important. And I think that, you know, one of the overarching goals is really for this to be something that is empowering for, for young people and for them to really feel passionate and excited about. You know, we're in the context of the post-COVID landscape where schools have really struggled, young people have really struggled. We know about the kind of widespread crisis in young people's mental health. We know that there's been so much pressure on meeting catch-up targets, you know, focusing on the those literacy and numeracy skills, as we said earlier, this is really an opportunity for young people to embark on something that they really feel is about them, that they are driving themselves, that they have a level of control over, and that they are guiding based on their own interests and their own learning process. And we want them to come out with something that they can take away with them, take to secondary school as to demonstrate what they've learned and the kind of things that they uh, have chosen to explore and for them to really see it as a part of their learning that is very personal to them in the context of an environment that might feel quite pressured and quite challenging, you know, after such a difficult time. I think it's really important that young people have that chance to really be excited in that way about something you know after such a a difficult period and in terms of what they get at the end of it I think that's another really interesting thing to talk about so what the final pepper looks like is actually a website that you own and you can share and you can take forward with you to your secondary education that showcases the outcomes of your project the learning you did the process that you went through your reflections on that process the feedback you got from your teacher your expert mentor and your peers and your own self-assessment. So it's a really nice product that um, you you take with you when you move forward into secondary school, something that you can be really proud of. That's really cool. This is PodCash, brought to you by Cash Alumni. If you're enjoying this conversation, please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thinking about that idea of, I suppose, that that broadening out people's horizons and thinking about non-linear learning and, and, and making people comfortable with just trying things, how is the project structured to almost to stop people from just playing to their strengths and picking something that's safe? I, I think that, again, goes back to the three-part nature of it. So it will be about something you're really interested in and feel safe with, Um But there will be an expert mentor to challenge you and push you in that area. It necessarily includes the development of research and presentation skills. And there's actually quite a lot of taught sequence across the two years of the project that build up to you producing your final pepper in year six. So there's a lot of learning in there for pupils and a lot of opportunities for them to practice skills 
and, and reflect on how successful they've been in learning those skills and give each other peer feedback. So metacognition is a really crucial part of the project um, that's built in throughout. But also, you know, if, if those skills come easy to you, then there's also the non-cognitive skills, as we call them, the sort of the skills that sit beyond the national curriculum, such as creativity, communication, um, collaboration. How are those skills sitting within the project? How are you developing those skills within the project? So there's something for everyone to push them out of their comfort zone, but in a productive and healthy learning capacity, rather than making things feel dangerous and 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 you know too much for them. That's great. Um, in that idea of sort of pushing and challenging and thinking about all of the stuff that I can hear that goes into the pepper and, and, and that like approach to everything being supportive, putting our members' heads on and asking things from their perspective, it sounds like a lot of work to incorporate it into what is a really challenging two years for teaching staff and for young people at school overall how does that work so this project absolutely needs the commitment of senior leaders you're absolutely right you can't be trying to jam this into your year five six curriculum you've got to free up some time for it which is why it runs across the two years, year five and year six, with a lot of taught input in the first year around research and presentation skills. And as I said, those are things that already exist within the national curriculum, within the literacy curriculum specifically. So you're not, in essence, asking teachers to do more. You're just asking them to teach those skills with an eye on moving towards the pepper. But you know, there will need to be some curriculum time freed up to this. So it's about schools valuing this kind of learning and making sure that time is freed up. The pepper definitely isn't something that can be done, you know, in two weeks after SATs. It's not designed to be done in that way. It's designed to be a long-term teaching process, but it's also specifically designed to give children the confidence and skills they need to have in order to move forward to secondary school. And I'm not sure that teaching to the SATs does that. So it's about what do you value as a school and are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? We don't think doing something like this is going to give you lower SATs results. Um, We think it's going to add value to children's capacity to pass their SATs test. They'll be more independent. They'll have developed those other competencies, which can help them in their revision and in their independent learning and can also help them in their in their in achieving, you know, good scores in their literacy and English um, SATs test. But you've got to value something like this and you've got to give teachers time to incorporate it. And I think that's one of the kind of anxieties of teachers who were involved in the pilot. They were saying, this is not going to work unless senior leaders commit time to it and free teachers up to teach it and free pupils up to enjoy it. That's absolutely right. And I think from our perspective, in terms of, of designing the uh, the award, what we've tried to do is also produce as many materials and resources that we can as possible to support the delivery of, of it for schools who are willing to take this on. Um, so we are producing full sets of assessment rubrics, professional development, support materials for in the classroom, support with differentiation. And the aim of that, you know, at, at CFEY, we are all former teachers or youth workers, uh, obviously big education, a wealth of experience in this sort of work. And therefore, the resources that are, are, are put together are really designed for, for 
you know, the practical challenges that we understand that teachers are facing in, in the classroom with the aim of making this as streamlined for them as possible uh, so that they clearly understand kind of the route to follow through this. And while there is um, scope to adjust to suit the, the cohorts that they're working with, um, it's also supported with a full kind of pack of, of materials to, to guide them along the way. That's nice. So there is, I suppose, that eye on given as much support with the planning and the resourcing and the, the, the doing that sort of heavy lifting to adapt things to the cohort rather than have to come up with a whole set of materials from scratch to support something that feels really big and exciting. Tell us a little bit more about how the process worked in terms of putting it together. Like, where did the idea come from? How did it evolve? Who was involved? Yeah, I mean, you're taking us right back to the start there. It's um, it, it was a really exciting process, actually. I think, um, you know, we, we originally formed this idea uh, from kind of personal experience in primary schools. So uh, Joe Hallgarten, the chief executive of the Centre for Education and Youth, um, is a former primary teacher who who still works in primary schools quite regularly in supply. And this is a challenge that um, we had identified uh, in terms of an opportunity missing for, for young people at this age. And I think that process was kind of parallel with the thinking and, and work that was happening for you at Big, Big Education, Sarah. Um, and so we were sort of very aligned in our, our general thinking about what would really benefit primary students that they're not kind of getting from the from the curriculum at the moment and from the assessment system at the moment. And so we came together as a partnership to share our expertise and um, come up with the initial um, idea of what we were hoping to take forward. And we felt it was really important that this was co-developed with primary teachers and leaders rather than just being something that we had come up between us. Once we had sort of formulated the idea of what it was that we wanted to work on, which was uh, a rigorous, flexible and scalable assessment instrument for 10 and 11 year olds, with you know access for primary schools across the UK and potentially beyond something that they could use to support the development and recognition of dispositions that go beyond what the national curriculum and SATs currently value. We kind of took that initial idea forward um, with a group of seven schools from across the country, including schools from Wales, who joined us in two workshops to sort of challenge some of those initial ideas um, and also help us to work through step by step the development of the curriculum assessment criteria, looking at challenges and, and sort of troubleshooting them, thinking about particular students from their classrooms and thinking about what they felt was most important to focus on in terms of the skills that young people could Im and should you know improve through the process. And I think having that, you know, this is a project by Teachers for Teachers so it's not a project that an external organisation has designed and developed. It's an idea that we generated, but it's very much been designed and developed and tested and will be tested by real teachers in real schools so that we know it really works for children in all different kinds of contexts and circumstances and for teachers working in all different kinds of schools. So, yeah, the teachers' engagement in the process, teachers led the process and shaped the process and have really shaped the design of the PEPA. And I think that's one of the things that's really important about it. It's really exciting listening to you talk about it because I think a lot of our members, being 
primary teachers and early years teachers, there are a lot of conversations happen at Cash Alumni events about how the early years foundation stage is sort of almost designed a little bit like this in terms of that holistic picture of, of a child and a young person's learning. And a lot of our primary members are upset that they don't get to work in that same sort of way as the early years members who are teaching young people do. Um, and this sounds very much like something our members would be over the moon if it existed across the primary curriculum. Like, are there any plans to look at this from earlier ages in primary school? I think the space is already there to follow children's line of inquiry in the early years. And I think the issue is, why does that disappear when they move into year one or year two? Why does the curriculum tighten so much around them? We have a lot of content in our curriculum in England, certainly. The Welsh curriculum is, a, is now a lot freer on, and focus on a, on a lot more on inquiry-based learning and project-based learning so it has a lot more opportunities for freedom but I think in England we feel this kind of straitjacket of the curriculum there is so much curriculum content if we compare ourselves internationally to other schools and that that really shrinks possibilities for children to be following their own lines of inquiry but we know that's a very very powerful learning process and schools in the big education trust that's something that we are very much committed to, to giving children um, opportunities to have agency in their learning, to follow their own lines of inquiry, to do and learn about things that are important to them in their own context. So this is part of a bigger drive towards that at system level, um, which is being led by Big Education and CFEY and Rethinking Assessment and lots of other organisations. And this is just providing, I guess, a tool for schools who want to start out on that journey and haven't so far found the capacity or the method by which to do that, to open things up and give children more independence and agency and get them more engaged in their learning because they're learning about things that matter to them and that they're interested in. Alongside that, um, in the process of uh, developing the design for the PEPA, we carried out a really extensive practice review of existing examples of uh, project-based learning. And a number of those were from the early years. There were some really interesting examples of how this kind of learning works in the early years and the benefits of it for young people. We drew on uh, a number of those examples in kind of developing our ideas. We took forward uh, a whole range to share with the um, teachers involved who then kind of analysed those existing examples of the work and pulled out the bits that they felt they could transfer into the primary context. As well as being something that's come from quite a lot of fresh thinking, the PEPA also draws on really valuable tried and, and tested sort of approaches that are having um, really positive impacts for young people's learning through through a project-based approach. And th that report, including the practice um, review, is available on the website, isn't it, Alex, if people are interested in going and having a little look at that? Yeah, absolutely. You can find that on the CFEY website. Um, it was funded um, by the NCFE as well. Um, and uh, you can find details on their website too. Um, 
alongside uh, all of their other pilot work. That's the second time you've anticipated my question because I was about to ask how people can find out more about that and and read more about it. Um, How do people, is is there still space for people to get involved if they wanted to to join in and to to do stuff with the support of of the organisations who are specifically running this project rather than having to go it alone? We would love people to get in touch and get involved. We are at the stage at the moment where we're working towards prototyping with the set of primary schools that we designed the pepper um, in partnership with but we are are looking beyond that to the future of a full-scale pilot and we would love schools to be involved in this we would also love expert mentors to get in touch with us to express involvement as well as any organizations who would like to come on board to support the the funding of the full pilot um, which of course is quite a large-scale ambitious project that we're looking at delivering across the UK Um, so you can get in touch with me um at um alex a l i x at c f e y dot org um, and i'm sure we can put uh, details in the show notes as well and i am coordinating a lot of the work across uh, a cfui and big education and would be thrilled to hear from anyone who'd be interested we're really keen to engage with schools from lots of different areas you know this is not a london focused initiative this is something that we want to work um across England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. We want schools from rural backgrounds. We want inner city schools. Uh, We want big schools, small schools. We really want this to be kind of rolled out uh, across lots of different types of of primary settings. So in case you're sort of wondering, will this work for us? The idea is that it will. It will work for anyone. So, you know, please do get in touch and we would love to talk further about it. Thanks for listening to Podcash. If you enjoyed it, please follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. You can also watch many of these conversations by heading over to cashalumni.org.uk and going to the CPD and Best Practice section of the site. That's cashalumni.org.uk.